Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. During the waning decades of the Republic, the Jedi Master Joris Sebaoth led the Outbound Flight Project. This was an expedition that sent six Jedi Masters, 12 Jedi Knights, and 50,000 men, women, and children beyond the borders of the Galactic Republic into the Unknown Regions, where they hoped to encounter unknown species who could be taught the ways of the Jedi and discover what existed at the edge of the galaxy. Basically, Star Trek, but with Jedi. Shortly before Sebaoth departed, Supreme Chancellor Palpatine requested that he, along with everyone else aboard the expedition, submit to medical exams to make sure no one was carrying any viruses that could eventually lead to a pandemic outbreak. This was an excuse Palpatine used to justify getting his hands on tissue samples from the Jedi on board, including, of course, Joris Sabayoth. The expedition was ultimately a failure, as once they reached the Unknown Regions, all hands on board were destroyed by a Chiss commander named Thrawn. Eventually, the Republic was brought into the Clone Wars. Palpatine had a clone of Sabaoth made, using the tissue sample that he had collected from the Jedi Master. The clone was named Joris Sabaoth. Basically the same name, just with two U's in Joris. The only problem was, this process was used to accelerate his growth, resulting in him being mentally unstable. While at some other point on the planet Wayland, a dark Jedi who also served Palpatine was simply known as the Guardian of Mount Tantis. He was assigned to guard over storehouses hidden away on a mountain that was, well, named Mount Tantis. These storehouses contained many treasures, such as stolen art, a cloning facility, and even a prototype cloning device. At some point, after the destruction of the second Death Star and the death of Emperor Palpatine, Joris Sabaoth arrived on the planet and challenged the Guardian. Killing him in a duel, he took over as the new Guardian. Now, because everything there known about the Guardian of Mount Tantis comes from Joris's account of the encounter itself, it's possible that there never was another Guardian. That in fact, Joris was always the Guardian, but doesn't remember that because he was just completely insane. You'll understand more later. Anyways, either before or after their duel, if there even was one, Joris received orders from another clone the reborn emperor, who ordered him, as he did with all his dark Jedi, to keep a low profile and await his return to power. However, the mad Joris would either ignore these orders or perhaps simply forget them. He was a little senile, we'll say. Eventually, the secret storehouses were tracked down by the now titled Grand Admiral Thrawn, who was seeking the cloaking device prototype and the cloning technology to use against the New Republic. But the military genius Chiss had also heard of the Guardian and wanted to use his force abilities, especially that of battle meditation, to increase the fighting prowess of his forces and demoralize those of his enemies. Now, if you don't know about battle meditation, I made a video on it not too long ago, so you can just type it in the search bar 
and check it out. When Thrawn made his way to a village that was near Mount Tantis, he met Joris Sabaoth, who simply looked like a frail old man. Joris informed the Grand Admiral that he had killed the Guardian years ago and was now the ruler of the entire planet. He then took Thrawn and the other Imperials to a crypt that contained the remnants of somebody that Joris claimed had been the Guardian. Pleased that he had let them into a trap, Joris unleashed a volley of force lightning on the Imperials. However, Thrawn was far from someone who didn't come prepared. Before arriving on Wayland, the Chiss had gathered furry, lizard-like creatures called the Asalamari. They had the ability to repel the Force by creating Force-neutral bubbles around themselves. So Thrawn and his men had the creatures with them and therefore the Force Lightning couldn't touch them. Joris was stunned and outraged that he couldn't kill the Imperials. But Thrawn was then able to negotiate an uneasy alliance with the unstable clone, getting him to join his forces by promising Joris the Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker, his sister Solo, and her unborn twins, who he could do with whatever he desired. Joris envisioned an army of dark Jedi, and he would use them to conquer the galaxy, with Luke, Leia, and her children being the first to join them. Joris's battle meditation proved fruitful for the Chiss Grand Admiral, and his Imperial Force's efficiency in battle improved by 40%. But Thrawn was just a means to an end for the Dark Jedi. It was Joris's own schemes with Skywalker that was his main objective. So he had the Empire spread rumors that he knew would find their way to Luke's ear about a Jedi living on the planet Jomark. Then he headed to the planet, quickly dominated the local populace, and set up his residence in a dirty stonework building with the ironic name High Castle. Here he waited for the Jedi Knight to arrive, where Luke was very skeptical when he heard about a Jedi who had not only survived Order 66, but also in the decades since, hadn't joined the Rebellion in their fight against the Empire. It didn't really sound like the actions of a Jedi, but nevertheless, he could not ignore the rumors, as this was a time when Luke was the only living Jedi in the galaxy and was still seeking knowledge about the Force. So he traveled to Jomark and met Joris, who introduced himself as a Jedi Master. Eventually, Luke began training with him, but quickly found that Joris's philosophy went counter to everything Yoda and Ben had taught him, such as that Jedi were superior to non-Force sensitives and therefore it was their responsibility to use their powers to govern over their inferiors, using Force and pain to keep them in control, if necessary. It became very clear to Luke that Joris had fallen to the dark side, but he wasn't sure if he was truly responsible as it was also quite apparent that Joris was off his rocker. Luke attempted to turn him back to the light, but Joris's insanity was too much of a block for even Luke to reach. The Mad Clone then revealed to Luke that he had sensed among skilled Force sensitives someone Luke had already met, the smuggler and former Emperor's Hand, Mara Jade. He had a vision of both she and Luke becoming his apprentices, with a clear image of Mara kneeling before him. Then several days later, Mara Jade did in fact show up in her starship. She wanted Luke's help to free her boss Talon, who had run into trouble with the Empire. However, as she tried to land, Joris began to hurl boulders at her through the Force. Despite his best efforts, Mara managed to land regardless. The Dark Jedi then went to confront her directly, but thanks to the Yesalamari she had brought with her to protect herself against Luke, the creature helped to neutralize Joris's Force abilities somewhat and R2 wounded the Dark Jedi Master with Luke's X-Wing lasers. Now, R2 didn't kill him as Luke ordered him not to. Instead, Luke and Mera departed together, 
leaving Joris behind. Furious, absolutely enraged, Joris headed back to Thrawn's flagship, the Chimera, and demanded to know why he hadn't yet been given his Jedi. By that, he meant Leia and her now newborn children, Jason and Jaina. The Mad Jedi was beginning to believe that he was the head of the Empire, and Illusion Thrawn, who was the actual head of the Empire at this time, knew he had to change sooner than later. But the Grand Admiral had come up with a plan to capture Leia and her kids, and he reassured Joris. The Dark Jedi relented. He was not happy about it. Later, he would use the Force to control the mind of Thrawn's second-in-command, Peleon and had him place an order with the other cloners for a special clone. After this, Joris made Peleon forget that he ever even made the order, so he mind-wiped him, at least of that memory. Though Grand Admiral Thrawn was growing tired of Joris' behavior, the Dark Jedi's battle meditation was vital for his campaign against the New Republic, especially during a key battle where Thrawn had several Imperial cruisers sneak under the planet Ukyo's planetary shield undetected thanks to the experimental cloaking device that they had taken from Mount Tentis and had them prepare to fire. As the cruisers stood ready, a group of Star Destroyers waited outside the shield, with Joris on one of them. Thrawn then ordered the clone Jedi to send a mental command to the crew on the cruisers to commence firing. As their lasers devastated their targets on the planet's surface, the populace who couldn't see the cloaked cruisers, believed Thrawn had built a superweapon fitted onto his Star Destroyers that had the ability to fire through planetary shields. Just as Thrawn had hoped, the rumor of his superweapon, which didn't exist, spread across the core worlds, striking fear into the hearts and minds of the citizens of the New Republic. However, when Joris learned that the strike team Thrawn had sent to retrieve Leia and her kids had failed, he had enough of Thrawn's empty promises. So he took control of every mind aboard Thrawn's flagship, except those who had the Esamari on them, which Thrawn did. This meant that he was controlling thousands of minds. He then threatened to have the crew take the ship to Coruscant, which was now the capital of the New Republic. Though as powerful as the insane clone Jedi was, he couldn't maintain that level of dominance over the many individuals for several days. So eventually he was forced to drop his control, but his madness was becoming more explosive and rageful. He wanted his Jedi. Unknown to either him or Thrawn, Mara Jade, after learning about the clone soldiers the Grand Admiral was making, revealed to Luke, Lando, Han, and Chewie that the Chiss was most likely using the cloning facility on Wayland. She agreed to lead them to the facility's location. However, what our heroes didn't realize was that Thrawn had imprisoned Joris back in Mount Tantis where they were heading. The unstable Joris had become too powerful and hungry, power hungry, that is, for Thrawn to use him safely any longer. Though the mountain was covered by thousands of Yesalamar, causing a force-free zone, Joris had realized that he was still able to control the mind of the general in charge of the facility, as before they had entered the force-free zone, he had already begun to shape and alter the Imperial's mind. If he took over the minds of the 20 soldiers that were the templates for the clones that were grown there, he could not only shape and mold their minds, but the minds of all the clones created there, and then they would all serve him as his private army. He commanded the general to order his troops to place explosives on the thousands of Yesalamar in the fortress. When Luke and Mera arrived in the fortress throne room, searching for the self-destruct switch so they could save the Yesalamar, 
Joris was there waiting for them. Doing his best Palpatine, Joris tried to turn them both to the dark side. When that failed, he activated the explosives and as the thousands of Yasamar died, the force was restored to the mountain. He then revealed his secret project, the special clone that he had Thrawn's second in command make for him. It was none other than Luke Skywalker. The Empire had recovered Luke's hand that was lost on Cloud City and cloned it. The clone, named Luke Skywalker, again with two U's, was armed with Anakin Skywalker's blue-bladed lightsaber. But the clone was completely mindless and was therefore directed by Joris's incredible mind control. Both Luke and Mera dueled the Skywalker clone, with it ending when Mera Jade was eventually able to kill him. That's when Han, Leia, and Mera's boss, Talon, entered the throne room. Outraged, Joris began to bring the ceiling down on Mara Jade. However, the ex-Emperor's hand used Leia's lightsaber to cut holes in the floor, allowing the rocks to fall through them, leaving a clear path to Joris. The Dark Jedi then demanded that Mara come with him to the cloning chamber, where he would make a clone of her. Ignoring the Mad Jedi's ramblings, she charged at him, mentally guided by Leia through the Force, and aided by Luke, who sent Talon's pet Vornskurs to attack Joris as a distraction. When she finally reached him, she stabbed him with Leia's saber, causing the clone to explode in a blast of dark side energy. Afterwards, Lando and Chewie set detonators in the cloning chambers, and once our heroes were safely away, they blew up the mountain. This is the story of Joris Sabayoth. I hope you enjoyed it, and I really think this is one of the villains, or at least should have been the villain, that we could have gotten in the sequel trilogy. I think it would have made things really interesting with him and Thrawn and the clone of Palpatine and so on and so forth. But anyways, that's a different video for a different time. Let me know what you think of this character. If you haven't read Heir to the Empire, I highly recommend it, or at least go read the comic series. It's about 150 pages or so, and it's really a fun read. So check that out. Leave a like on this video if you enjoyed it, and I'll catch you in the next one. Until then. Remember, the Force will be with you always.